Welcome to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons, a podcast which examines tenets of the Christian faith in a systematic way. Dr. Ammons serves as a local church pastor and professor of theology in the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels, bringing years of experience into the theological arena. Now, here's Dr. Ammons. Whenever God got ready to speak to humanity, how did he do it? How did he communicate with this being that he had created in his image? What exactly is the word of God to humanity? And is the Bible the only way God speaks to us? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101 in this 600 series We have been looking at the Bible, the Word of God. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the Bible as the Word of God. And we're going to back up just a little bit beforehand to talk about the Word of God itself and how God communicated with humanity down through the ages. And today, why the Bible is the only way that God speaks to humanity today, or I might say the primary way that he speaks to humanity today. So first of all, what exactly is meant by the phrase, the Word of God? Actually, there are several different meanings taken by this phrase in the Bible itself, and I believe it's helpful to distinguish between these different senses of the Word of God. First of all, The Word of God in the Bible is a person. It's Jesus Christ. Sometimes the Bible refers to the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, as the, quote, Word of God, end quote. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, John sees the risen Lord Jesus in heaven, and he says, quote, The name by which he is called is the Word of God, end quote. John's Gospel, we read very much the same whenever he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it is clear that John is speaking of the Son of God, of Jesus, because in verse 14 of John 1, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, the the only instances where the Bible refers to the Son as the Word, or the Word of God, is thus in in John. So, first of all, the Word of God is, scripturally, is a person. It is the person of Jesus Christ. But now let's go a little further. The Word of God is also seen in the Bible as speech by God. Speech by God. And and there are four different forms that speech took in the Bible as to how God communicated with humanity. Four different ways. Number one, the first Word of God was God's decrees. D-E-C-R-E-E-S. God's decrees. Now, sometimes God's words take the form of powerful decrees that cause events to happen or even cause things to come into being. You remember Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, 
let there be light, and there was light. God even created the animal world by speaking His powerful words. It says in Genesis 1.24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts upon the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. He did not fashion these with His hands. He spoke them into existence with His words. So these powerful, creative words from God are often called in Scripture His decrees. Now a decree is a, is a decree of God, is a word of God that causes something to happen. And so the decrees of God include not only the events of, of creation I just mentioned, but also the continued existence of all things. For example, Hebrews 1.3 tells us that in Christ, He continually upholds the universe by the word of His power. So think about this. The universe is, is sustained. It continues to operate by the word of God. The word of His power keeps the world turning, the universe in existence. And so the decrees of God are, are those acts that happen whenever God spoke them into existence. That is the Word of God as speech from Scripture. But there's a second way the Word of God is used in Scripture, not just by decrees, but number two, by personal address. God's words of personal address. God sometimes communicated with His people on earth by speaking directly to them. These can be called instances of God's words of personal address. An example, um, you may remember Adam, the very beginning of creation. God spoke to Adam. It says in Genesis 2 verses 16 and 17, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now after the sin of Adam and Eve, God still comes and again He spoke directly to them. Words of personal address. He spoke personally to them in the words of the curse. Genesis 3 verses 16 through 19. And another prominent example of God's direct personal address to people on earth is found whenever He gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So God directly, personally addressed Moses. And then whenever we go to the New Testament, think about Jesus' baptism. God the Father spoke with a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son with whom, with whom I am well pleased, from Matthew 3.17. So, there are several times throughout Scripture in which God spoke directly words of personal address. 
Now, in these and several other instances where God spoke words of personal address to individual people, it was very clear to the hearers that these were the actual words of God. No, no doubt. They were hearing God's very voice. And they were therefore hearing words that had absolute divine authority and words that were absolutely trustworthy. To disbelieve or any of these words would have been to, to disbelieve or disobey God and therefore would have been sin. God's words came personally. Now, though the words of God's personal address are always seen in Scripture to be the actual words of God, they are also, quote, human words at times. Words in that they're spoken in ordinary human language that is immediately understandable by humans. The fact that these words are spoken in human language does not limit their divine character or limit their divine authority in any way. They are still entirely the words of God spoken by the voice of God Himself. Now, some theologians argue that since human language is always in some sense imperfect, any message that God addresses to us in human language must also be limited in its authority or truthfulness. That's what some theologians say. I disagree. But that's what some say. But these passages that I just mentioned, many others as well, record instances of God's words of personal address to individuals. They give no indication whatsoever of any kind of limited authority or untruthfulness. Because, just because they're spoken in human language. In fact, quite the contrary is true. For the words always place an absolute obligation on the hearers to believe the words and obey the words fully. To disbelieve or disobey any part of them is to disbelieve or disobey God Himself. So, we have seen so far that the Word of God in Scripture is a person. It's Jesus Christ. It's also speech by God. First of all, number one, by God's decrees. And second of all, by God's words of personal address. But I want you to think of a third way in which God's Word is spoken in Scripture. God's words as speech through human lips. Now frequently in the Bible, God raises up people to speak for Him. Uh, he, had, he had Aaron to speak for Moses after Moses was called and said, Lord, I can't speak well. Uh, God raised up prophets in the Old Testament through, through whom He spoke. And so, once again, it is evident that although these are human words spoken in ordinary human language, by ordinary human beings, the authority and the truthfulness of these words is in no way diminished. They are completely God's words spoken through, through human lips. Listen to Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 through 20. God says to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak them, <clears throat> excuse me, to them. 
He shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. That was God speaking to Moses, Deuteronomy 18, verses 18 through 20. Now, later on, God made a, a similar statement to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. The Lord put out His hand, Jeremiah writes, and He touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And God tells Jeremiah, Wherever, Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Also, anybody who claimed to be speaking for the Lord but had not received a message from the Lord was severely punished in Ezekiel 13 verses 1 through 7 as well as the Deuteronomy 18 passage I just read a moment ago. So, God's words spoken through human lips were also con considered to be just as authoritative as God's words of personal address or God's words of as decrees. There was no diminishing of the authority of these words when they were spoken through human lips. So, to disbelieve or disobey any of those words was to disbelieve or disobey God Himself. But let's talk about a fourth way in which God's words are speech by God. First of all, His decrees and Second of all, his words of personal address. And thirdly, God's words coming through human lips. But now I, I want to talk about God's words in written form, the Bible. God's words in written form, the, the, the basis of this 600 series. In addition to God's words of decree, God's words of personal address, and God's words through human lips, we also find in the Bible several instances where God's words were put into written form. The first of these is found in the narrative of the giving of the two tablets of stone in which were written the Ten Commandments. You may remember this passage. Exodus 31, 18, it says, God gave, to Moses, uh, gave the Ten Commandments to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Folks, the Bible is written by the finger of God. Listen to Exodus 32, 16. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Now listen further. Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13. Listen to this. Then Moses wrote this law, gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years you shall read this law before all of Israel in their hearing, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law and their children who have not known they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 31 verses 9 
to 13. So this book, which Moses wrote, was then, as you know, deposited by the side of the Ark of the Covenant. And in Deuteronomy 31, verses 24 through 26, listen, Moses said, when he had finished writing these words of the law in a book, to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant, take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. Get the picture now. God's finger wrote the tablets and Moses then commanded these writings of God in written form be placed beside the Ark of the Covenant as a witness against the people. Now later on, Joshua, further additions were made to the book of God's words. Joshua 24, 26 says, Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And then later on, God commanded Isaiah, now go, write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be there for the time to come as a witness forever. That's Isaiah 30, verse 8. Then you go a little further to Jeremiah. And once again, God said to Jeremiah, write in a book all the words that I've spoken to you. That's Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 2. Chapter 36, verses 2 through 4, 27 through 31. And then again, Jeremiah 51, verse 60. So you see God commanding His prophets to write down the words God has spoken and put them in a book. So the book that we have is the Word of God spoken to us. In the New Testament, Jesus promises His disciples that the Holy Spirit would bring to their remembrance the words which He had spoken in John chapter 14, verse 26. Then later in the New Testament, Paul goes on to say that the very words he writes to the Corinthians is, quote, a command of the Lord. 1 Corinthians verse four, chapter 14, verse 37. And similarly, Peter says something similar in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2. So once again, it, it must be noted that these words are still considered to be God's very own words. Even though humans are writing them, they are still considered to be God's own words, even though they're written in human language. Still, they're absolutely authoritative, absolutely true. And to disobey the Word of God or disbelieve the Word of God is a serious sin that brings judgment from God according to 1 Corinthians 14.37 and Jeremiah 36.29-31. Now, there are several benefits that come from the writing down of, of God's words. First of all, there is, there is a much more accurate preservation of what God said for subsequent generations. To depend on memory and the repeating of oral tradition is a less reliable method of preserving the words of God word for word throughout history than is the recording of those words. Secondly, 
the opportunity for repeated inspection of those words that are written down permits careful study and discussion and that leads us to better understanding and more complete obedience of God to God. And third of all, God's words are written in written form are accessible to many more people than they are when they're preserved merely through memory or oral repetition. These words can be inspected at any time by any person. They're not limited in accessibility to those who have memorized them or those who, have, who are able to present what they've recited orally. Thus the reliability, the permanence, the accessibility of the form in which God's words are preserved are all greatly enhanced when they're written down. Yet there is no indication that the authority or the truthfulness is diminished just because God's words are written down. So friends, let, let me share with you. Whenever you pick up the Bible and whenever you read it, you are reading God's words communicated to human beings into human language, but they are still totally authoritative and those words are still totally trustworthy because the source is God Himself who is truth. And you know, it is, it is most profitable for us to study God's words as written in the Bible. God's words, whenever they spoke through human lips, once we had the New Testament canon, and once it was complete, He no longer spoke through human lips. He does as we, as we preach that word and teach that word and speak that word. But the Bible itself is God's, or, or they, they contain, or they are God's words to us in written form. It is God's written word that He commands us to study daily. Psalm 1 and 2, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, said the man is blessed who meditates on God's law day and night. God's words to Joshua, just as applicable, whenever he said, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful, or so that you shall not depart from your, it shall not depart from your mouth, you shall meditate on it that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Again, that's Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And then finally, listen to 2 Timothy 3.16. It is the word of God in the form of written scripture that is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. So, what you have in your hands as the Word of God, as the Bible, is God's Word directly to you with authority, completely truthful, and so we are commanded to obey it, we are commanded to study it, we are commanded to read it. I hope that you have a practice of reading God's Word daily and letting God speak to you through them. Well, I'm glad that you've joined us for this episode of Truth 101 in the 600 series talking about the Bible itself. Join us next time as we talk further about the Word of God. God bless you. We'll see you then.
You have been listening to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons. We hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on recent sermons by Dr. Ammons, go to www.fbcgarland.org and join us next time for Truth 101.